All righty, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Pito. And let's go out to our buddy Aaron Schatz, creator of DVOA, chief analytics officer at FTN Fantasy, and joins us here on 92.3 The Fan. Aaron, as always, thanks for giving us a few minutes. How you doing tonight? Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty well tonight. How are you guys? I like that. We're doing great. I mean, right now we're just getting ready for a postseason game, which is not something we typically get to say around these parts. So all, all is good. I am trying to figure out, you know, you are the creator of DVOA and the advanced analytic community is not too high right now on Joe Flacco. You can't find a soul in Cleveland that isn't high on Joe Flacco, but it feels like the advanced analytics aren't high on Joe. How do you see Flacco and what he's been able to do with the Browns so far? Well, I think it's it's more an issue of, like, what do you believe in the last three years or a few games, right? Like, by my numbers, he's been above average uh, in the few games that he's played for Cleveland. No question about it. But, like, do we learn more from that four or five games or do we learn from the last three years? And the last three years tell us that he's probably a below-average quarterback. But, you know, maybe not necessarily that much below average. But this team is still going to be driven by defense. It's, you know, they're they're not going to be driven by their offense. They're going to be driven by their defense. Yeah, I guess the confusing part, and we'll get, we'll get to the defense, I promise, in just a, a little bit here. But the confusing part for me is you could say, oh, we got years of experience with Joe Flacco. But I've also never seen Joe Flacco really play the way that I have in the previous decade. Forget four years. It's been a long time since we watched Joe Flacco throw four straight 400-plus yard or 300-plus yard games and have games where it just feels like he can do whatever he wants. And I don't know, maybe I just want to give Kevin Stefanski a bunch of credit and I want to give the Browns offense a bunch of credit and I want this to work more than anything. But with Joe, when you watch these games, like the interceptions, they'll catch up to you eventually. But for right now, it feels like it feels like there's nothing he can do in these games that would tell me the Browns are in a bad spot against the Texans this weekend. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that's how it feels. But, you know, like I said, we've got years of Flacco, not just four or five games. And, I mean, he's been something like 15th in passing DVOA for these, for these few games he's played for Cleveland. So that's nice. That's a little bit above average. But that's not great. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Josh Allen. So, you know, again, still going to be carried by their defense. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not as good as C.J. Stroud right now. Yeah, and I I find that interesting because, oddly enough, we've had a lot of those type of conversations, and I've had to kind of talk Browns fans a little bit off the the ledge there when it comes to that debate. It's like, he's not not C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud has been uh, crazy, crazy good this season, Uh, and what I like the most about C.J. Stroud is how he limits his turnovers, but I I guess I I do, I'm curious to find out I know we deal with large sample sizes, and I know the advanced analytic community loves large sample sizes, but how do you explain somebody that in year 15 is throwing for more yards per game than we've ever seen him throw for? You know what I mean? Like the little things like that. In the totality, it might not be as good, but for what this offense needs. Yeah. Random variation. It's random variation. He's just happened to have a few good games. It worked out well. Maybe he does jive well with Stefanski. Um you know, maybe some of it is, you know, not having what this offense looks like with Flacco on film yet. But history tells us it is much more likely that he reverts to what he's been the last three or four years than that he's Randall Cunningham in 1998 and he's going to do this for another four weeks. 
Okay. All right. Asked and answered, Aaron. I, I, I can't go any further on that. It's, it's, a, it's a complexing thing. That's, that's the, I think the beauty in Joe Flacco, though, is that I think a lot of people in the back of their mind, they go to what you're saying, and they're like, I know, I know, but then they've also looked and seen with their own two eyes, and they're like, well, wait, maybe, maybe all the time off did help. Maybe his arm had some sort of rejuvenation process. Uh, maybe he went to Switzerland and got the LeBron treatment where he just uh, he just makes his arm I mean, I, all brand new. I don't know, but something's different. I haven't done a study where I can tell you, yeah, this quarterback at age 38, this quarterback at 38, but it's really unlikely. It's really unlikely. I, I'm not trying to harsh anyone's vibe here, but it's just not like <laughs> No, I led you to it was the problem there because I got too high and I, I, I kept going down the road and I kept it's, it's like I kept pushing you for a different answer that I, I knew wasn't coming, but I needed to hear it a third time for some reason because I just have so much Joe Flacco belief. But what's funny is that I spent the first hour, Aaron, talking about how in, in a debate versus who do you think is going to show up, Joe Flacco or this Browns defense, I was adamant that it's the Browns defense that I actually believe in if I had to choose between which one I know will show up, C.J. Stroud or otherwise. Quarterbacks haven't been able to beat the Browns this year. There's two, Gardner Minshew and Matthew Stafford, but they've shut down Brock Purdy. They shut down Lamar. They shut down Burrow. They've shut down every really good quarterback, with the exception of Stafford, that they've faced this year, and I'm just not concerned because of the defense. Yeah, I mean, their defense is very strong. There's no question about it. Now, it hasn't been as good in the second half of the season as it was in the first half of the season, but it's still been very good. So I, I fully agree with you. This defense is much better than the Texans' defense. The Texans are 23rd in DVOA against the pass. They're very strong against the run, but they have a real problem covering passes. So, um you know, that'll make Flacco look good, right? And then I'll look like an idiot for what I said. But the <laughs> fact is, um, the Browns' defense is much better than the Texans' defense, and that's the difference between these teams. What do you see in C.J. Stroud when you watch him play? Oh, it's just um, he seems to have, like, the confidence and the, the poise in the pocket, the lack of turnovers, the lack of sacks. Um, He's just a really strong. He throws a great deep ball, throws a great deep ball. He just seems to have everything that you need. Now, I will say um, one thing to say is he has not been as good this year if you blitz him. And the Browns are fantastic when they blitz. So when they blitz Stroud, he's going to be in trouble. Oh, I like that. Uh, should Miles Garrett have won or should he win the defensive player of the year? Or would you give it to T.J. Watt? Or even Michael I Parsons. cannot tell you. I cannot tell you because I am one of the voters. Oh, you are. You're you're an APL so I, voter. I cannot tell you who I voted for, but I will say it seems to me that there are three very strong candidates, and that's Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, and T.J. Watt. And you probably could put them in any order and feel like you've made a good case. So, um, you know, the thing that Garrett has going for him is. Uh, the thing he doesn't have going for him is with the injuries, he declined a little bit in the second half of the year. The thing he has going for him is the plays he makes are fantastic. Brandon Thorne has a thing called true pressure score that looks at not just how many pressures do you get, but how many pressures do you get against like top linemen, like beating top offensive mm -hmm. tackles. And nobody gets more high-quality pressures than Miles Garrett. You know, it's funny. There's a Browns fan, I'm sure, listening right now, thinking to themselves, Jonathan, you have, an, you have one of these voters 
you got the ear of one of these voters right now. Just just tell them how great Miles Garrett is and really hammer it home. Uh, guys, I need to tell you right now for those listening, Aaron's not the guy I'm worried about when it comes to the voting process for Miles Garrett because you do more than just say 19 sacks equals more than 14. And so that's how we have to vote on these things. So I, I'm not worried about someone like you because you're not going to look at just the sacks. You're going to look at the totality of a player. And Aaron, you know it. Miles Garrett in the totality has been as dominant of a season. I've been watching now for seven years. I've never seen him play this way and I've never seen a player in general on the defensive end and defensive line play this way he's, he's, he's been otherworldly also uh, I sent in my votes about five hours ago really oh we're okay so, so I couldn't even influence so you, can't it. Convince I, me. <laughs> you can't convince me of anything it's too late <laughs> Aaron Schatz joining us here on 92.3 the fan find him at FDN fantasy creator of DVOA all pro slash MVP voter I, I did I, I was wondering at what point you guys did send him in because there is a there's a little bit of a time in between here. Should that should that be changed where you you take the postseason into account? Or should it really truly no. just be a regular season award? No, it should really be a regular season award. Uh, you don't I mean, it would be a completely different award if you took the postseason into account. And if you took the postseason into account, you need to take the whole postseason, which means you wouldn't vote until after the Super Bowl, which means things wouldn't get announced until the end of February. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It, it feels like it's weird, though, because we, in the NFL, we just we put so much emphasis on the, the biggest players making the biggest plays and the biggest stage, and we just continue to go down that trope. And then we're like, all right, well, we're, let's, cut this, let's cut this close, and then let's cut this off before we get a chance to. But we do that in every sport. It's not just an NFL thing. It just is, it's just how we do these things, and I understand it, and I get it. Aaron Judge joining us here on 92.3 The Fan. So tell me what it is about this Browns defense outside of Miles Garrett that you do love so much. I mean, they do everything. They they stop the run. They stop the pass. The pass, they're, like, really good in every area of the field except for deep middle passes. But that's a sample size of 14 passes. So what do you really learn there? Not very much. In reality, they're just really good against every – Denzel Ward uh, has been particularly fantastic this year, but also Owusu Koromoa yeah. uh, has been excellent, and Garrett. Um, they're just a really good all around, uh, the timing of the blitzes by Jim Schwartz. He knows when to blitz, um, you know, Delpit got injured, but he was having a really good season. Uh, there's just so much to like about it. Should the Texans really be a 10 win team? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're in the AFC South, so they had it a little easier and they're, they're more of a nine win team, but you know, I'm not going to piddle over one win. I mean, they're 12. They finished 12th in DVOA. So that, you know, you're really, that's a nine and eight team, not a 10 and seven team. But again, like one win, I'm not going to like whine about it. Sure. I, I was making the case though. I feel like, you know, if CJ Stroud doesn't ball out, that's their, that's their path to victory. Where am I wrong there? How do they get a win? The Texans that is, I'm not. Okay. You're not. Their running game is uh, not good. And their defense is pretty average, very improved over last year, very improved over last year, especially against the run. But yeah, T.J. Stroud's got a ball out, man. If they want to win this thing, he's got to just do really well. Big picture NFL question, Rams and Lions. I, I, I want to root for the Lions in this one. I really do. I feel like a lot of people here in Northeast Ohio, we're, we're kind of kismet with Detroit in a lot of ways, and they kind of want to see a Lions-Brown Super Bowl. But the Lions feel like they're – 
they they just run out of gas. And I don't know what happened with, with Dan Campbell and playing Laporta on Sunday. I think that was just a bird brain decision on his behalf. How you lose potentially your third best offensive piece in a game that was nah, essentially. Nah. He no? wanted to win that game. He wanted to win that game because he wanted the number two seed if Washington uh, upset Dallas. That's your third best offensive. It piece was there. not a meaning. It was not a meaningless day. It was not a meaningless game. The game had meaning, not a ton of meaning, but it definitely had meaning. <laughs> Dan okay. Campbell. Dan Campbell is not the kind of guy who's going to tell his guys not to try hard. It didn't have enough meaning for me, if I'm being honest about it. Because now, I, I don't know how they match up with the Rams. I really truthfully don't. I, and we watch the Rams play the Browns, and uh, they seem very dangerous right now, Aaron. Their defense is very meh, and their special teams are horrible. Hmm. So as good as their offense has been for the last few weeks, the Rams are not an unstoppable Titan right now. And I, the Lions, I think the lot, you know, I think it's pretty close between the Rams and the Lions, given that the Lions are on, at home, they're, they're properly favored. But I don't think that the Rams are quite as dangerous as people think because they're going to do something stupid on special teams to let you back <laughs> into the game. Uh, let me take it back to the AFC. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I said I thought the Browns were the second best team in the AFC. I, am I crazy for that thought, or can you find an avenue to get there as well? Yeah, you're crazy. I'm sorry. The Bills are the second best team. <laughs> the Bills? The Bills are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the Bills are a better all-around team than Cleveland is. Again, you know, you're really drinking the Flacco Kool-Aid if you think that the Browns are so up with the Bills right now. Would you put – this is why I love you because you're honest. Yeah, would you put the Browns – are they sandwiched somewhere between the Chiefs and the Dolphins for you? Or are they just nicely – tucked in at the third spot if you had to do some sort of uh, power ranking in the AFC? Because I'll take third. I got no problems with third if that's what you think. Nah, I, I, no, no disrespect to Browns fans, but I think that the Bills, Chiefs, Dolphins are better than the Browns. I think the Browns are the fifth best team in the AFC. But that, I mean, that doesn't mean they're out of it. The yeah. thing is, the Browns are a lot closer to the Bills than the Bills are to the Ravens, at least by my numbers. Oh, so that, that's where the gap lies there. So there's one between one to two, there's a massive gap, and then between two to five, it's maybe very bunched up in your eyes. In both conferences, yeah. Okay, I can live with that. I can live with that. All right, Aaron, I appreciate you as always. I love your honesty. I love uh, the ability to just shoot me straight and, and maybe bring me back down to earth a little bit, as it's all we do. We live in the bubble, right? And so we need outside perspectives from time to time. We'll check you out, as we always do, FTN Fantasy, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we'll catch up with you later. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, again, this defense could go on a run. I'm not telling you to write off the Browns, and it would be a lot of fun if they made the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, be realistic. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate you. Have a good night. All right. Bye. All right. Uh, Aaron shots right there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. He knew he just like shot my puppy. That's what happened there. He knew that. He knew he knew that entire time. That's all that was. But what I love about him is that he just it's how he's always been. He is just a straight shooter. That's why we have him on. I, I don't have on people that are going to tell me what I want to hear. I don't have on people that are going to make me feel good inside and make me feel all warm and fuzzy. Everything down to the Dan Campbell point. He's like, listen. That was not a meaningless game. In my eyes, it was a pretty meaningless game to lose your third offensive player. But he, like, he comes to bat with some of his takes. That's, that's what I want. That's what I've always wanted. And I want to hear from you guys. 216474 to below 92. Does it bother you that when it comes to 
the advanced analytical people, the people like our guy Aaron right there, they just don't see it the same way that we see it. There, there's a there's a, a disconnect here, and I got to figure out where that disconnect lies because when it comes to what I've seen, when it comes to what I've taken in, I don't see it the same way that Aaron does. And I'm trying to figure out where that disconnect is. Usually you find out in life, sometimes when there's a disconnect, usually there's an information gap somewhere. Is it on my end? Is it on his end? 216-474-0092. We'll get into that. And also, I really don't think one thing is going to impact C.J. Stroud. I'll explain what I mean by that and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle here with you on The Fan.